Huckabee is brought to you in part by Trivita.com, helping you experience greater wellness. Tonight on Huckabee, Hot Secretary Ben Carson, the amazing Sando Trio, and winner of The Voice, Todd Tillman, joins us. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! And welcome to Huckabee and our first show since the Wuhan virus took hold that We've actually had a studio audience, even though a limited... Yes. Even though it may be a limited and socially distanced one. But I am so glad we're back in our theater in Hendersonville, just outside of Nashville. I'm even more glad to have audience back in the seats. I got to tell you, audience, we missed you. We really did. You see, the problem... Keith and Trey didn't always laugh at my bad jokes. I'm counting on you guys. Very true. Yeah. That's right. He didn't pay us enough. Well, and you certainly aren't going to get it now. I got the people (laughs) back now. We hope more folks will come and be with us here in our theater on our taping days. Tickets, by the way, of course, are free. But you do have to make reservations, and you can do that at Huckabee.tv. Okay, have you heard the term law and order lately? Hmm. Well, if not, maybe you've been held hostage by the nut jobs in Seattle who took over six city blocks and declared they were an autonomous country called Chaz. And then they renamed themselves CHOP. Hey, you're not very organized if you can't even stick with a name for two whole weeks, okay? But before I get to an explanation of what law and order really mean, can I just tell you that the nonsense of a mob taking over a big chunk of a city and having a leftist lunatic mayor describe it as a festival, like a potluck gathering, or the summer of love, that should never have happened. And why the people of Seattle or any American city tolerate such incompetence in their elected officials is beyond me. If these anarchists declared they were autonomous, then the city should have simply turned off all the electricity, water, sewer, gas, phone, cable TV, and internet, and electronically blocked cell signals in or out of the area. Stop any deliveries of any kind. Because if they're really autonomous, they ought to be able to supply their own utilities, infrastructure, commerce, and food production. And if they can't do that, about as autonomous and independent as my five-year-old grandson when he announces he's going to leave home. (laughs) But not until he gets dinner, has a story read to him, and gets tucked in for a good night's sleep. Really running away. Clearly, Seattle is missing some law and order. But those aren't just words. Law means we agree as citizens that we will establish through our elected representatives a social contract to define what's proper and acceptable behavior. We create laws that prohibit murder, theft, rape, armed robbery, and burglary, but also restrict the use of drugs or alcohol, set limits on the speed we can drive, and even determine when our kids have to be in school. Law is what we determine to be 
the reasonable standards of our community that we should be expected to live by. It's kind of like the rules that we learned on the school playground, but maybe the rules for adults, at least it's supposed to be adults. Order means we actually follow those laws and we establish consequences upon those who refuse to obey them. Now, there can be no order without law. One can only be held accountable when one knows the expectation. And there can be no law that doesn't insist on order, which is the compliance of the people to accept the rules as a condition of living with personal liberty. Order comes with the protection afforded those who voluntarily live their lives respectful of the rights and the liberties of other people. And without law, it's every man for himself. It's doing whatever feels good, even if it's destructive to other people or their property. And without order through the enforcement of law, which is forced compliance to those standards, there's no point in having a law. Without those two foundations, it is only a matter of time before there is a collapse of any semblance of government and a revolution is underway. That's why it's important. Well, earlier I spoke with Dr. Ben Carson, who is truly an American success story. From a humble beginning in public housing and failing in school, he became a world-renowned neurosurgeon, authored nine books, now serves as the 17th secretary of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. He says cities are facing real challenges as unrest sweeps through the country, but the solutions are woven into the fabric of America. Please welcome Dr. Ben Carson. Mr. Secretary, one of the big challenges that you have and that the country has is dealing with the crisis of the inner cities, which we've really seen lately. Uh, let's talk about some real solutions that you feel like we need to be looking at implementing, uh, not just from a housing standpoint, for, but from a broader community standpoint. Well, you know, one of the things that this uh, coronavirus uh, outbreak has taught us is that there are certain people in our society who are extremely susceptible. And, uh, you know, the mortality rates uh, in the African-American community and Hispanic community are very, very high. And it's largely because of the comorbidities. And you have to ask yourself, should we direct attention to the hypertension and the diabetes and the obesity and the asthma and all these things? Of course we should. But if we're going to be serious about solving the problem, we have to go to the next level down and ask, why are those things occurring? And that means we have to deal with, with things like the housing situation, uh, affordable uh, and fair housing. It means we have to deal with long-term medical care, not just acute going into the neighborhood and doing blood pressures on people, but long-term follow-up to the right kind of outcome. It means we have to deal with food deserts, we have to deal with healthy foods, uh, transportation, and most importantly, education. Mr. Secretary, I read your book. I know that you were a young man who grew up in the inner city uh, didn't grow up with affluence and wealth, grew up with uh, poverty, but a hardworking mother. But you were a very angry young man at one time in your life and not doing that well in school. Yet, instead of throwing bricks through windows and looting stores, you ended up becoming one of the most, if not the most, renowned pediatric neurosurgeons in the history of the world. 
What moved you from being a brick-throwing looter to a neurosurgeon and now the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development? Well, to be brutally honest, it was God. Hmm. You know, I, I had a horrible temper. And uh, when I would get angry, it really didn't matter what the consequences were. I was just mad. I just wanted to react. I wanted to hit somebody with a baseball bat or throw a brick and, and, and forget about the consequences. And so I, I do understand how people feel sometimes. But uh, I had an epiphany one day after I tried to stab someone and I was in the bathroom and I picked up a Bible and I started reading all these verses in the book of Proverbs about anger. And they all seemed like they were written about me. Mm. But uh, I came to an understanding that the reason that I was always angry is because I was selfish. Mm. Everything was about me and how I felt and how somebody had gotten into my space. And it was me, my, and I. And uh, the Lord helped me to see that if you just step outside of the center of the circle and let it be about somebody else, you won't be angry. That was the last day that I had an angry outburst. And it really does work. And, you know, people have to be able to think about something other than themselves. You know, those people who are writing uh, in Minnesota and destroying the life work sometimes of people who had their little shop and their little business, how about thinking about those people? And, uh, you know, if, if we begin to think about that, and the people who are trying to destroy the statues and, and portraits and all of these kinds of things, think about the good things. There is nobody who's perfect. There's nobody who has a perfect history. But we do have a lot of incredible people uh, who contributed to the success of this country that nobody knows about. Uh, how about let's talk about them? Maybe let's put some monuments up to them. And, uh, you know, some of, some of those people are African-American. You know, you take somebody like Louis Latimer, who is uh, Thomas Edison's right-hand man. He was the one who came up with the filament that made the light bulb work for more than two or three days. He invented the electric lamp. He diagrammed the telephone for Alexander Graham Bell. Almost nobody knows about him or talk about a, a statue to Elijah McCoy, who was a great engineer and uh, engineered the automatic lubrication system for locomotive engines. He had so many inventions, but people are always trying to copy his inventions. And uh, it got to the point where people say, is that a McCoy? Is that the real McCoy? Most people don't <laughs> even know that that was an African-American. Yeah. You know, so why don't you put those statues up rather than trying to pull other ones down and celebrate the incredible history that we have together? That is a phenomenal idea. I hope somebody is listening and will follow up on it because I think that's exactly the kind of thing we need to be doing. But you have affirmed that the real challenge in this country uh, is not political or racial, it's, it's spiritual. And I, I think it's uh, powerful that you mentioned that because so many people are afraid to say what you just said. You have been outspoken and you've talked very openly in interviews about the need for law and order. Explain why that is important to you and, and why it doesn't matter what color our skin is, law and order matters to all of us. Well, if you're going to have a, a civil society and a society in which people are willing to work hard and to build things, you obviously need a mechanism to protect those things. 
And, uh, and that's what we have. That's one of the things that, that distinguished our society and helped it to flourish so much because we were a society of law and order. That's what your taxes pay for. Uh, and when mayors and governors and, and city councils refuse to protect the people and to protect their property, they're actually breaking a contract with the people. And uh, it is appropriate for the people to seek redress from them, quite frankly. Uh, one final thought, and uh, I want you to address something you started, an initiative called Foster to Youth Independence. Tell us about that and how that is helping a lot of young kids who may have been once like you uh, to finding a, a, a new direction for life. Yeah, the uh, Foster Youth Independence Program is a, a, a real incredible story. There were a number of, of young people who came to us here at HUD uh, a little over a year ago uh, who were about to age out of foster care. About 20,000 young people age out of foster care each year. And within the next four years, approximately a quarter of them become homeless. And uh, to the credit of the amazing staff we here, have here at HUD, uh, they put together this program and gave out the first grants within four months. Mm. So people who tell you that the government can't work quickly, uh, listen to that story. But it provides vouchers, uh, tenant protection vouchers, giving them the ability to have their own apartment, their own place. And not only that, but also provides the wraparound services that they need. In some cases, you know, they have not uh, graduated from high school. so. We will help them to get their GED. Some cases it might be a, a higher degree than that. It may be some type of training. It may be, you know, financial literacy. Whatever they need is provided in order to set them on a trajectory for self-sufficiency. I think what you've just described is a very good reason for which I am so grateful President Trump appointed you to be Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Ben Carson, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you. You can follow Ben Carson on social media at Secretary Carson and visit HUD.gov to discover the good work that Secretary Carson's office is doing to create affordable housing for all Americans. Now, if you'd like more of my take on stories in the news, visit Huckabee.tv after the show. You can get facts of the matter. You can hear my views on why Nancy Pelosi is blocking effective police reform what I think of the call to abolish gender categories at award shows, and why we may have to get ready for the cancel culture to come after us when they run out of statues. I hope to see you after the show for Facts of the Matter on Huckabee.tv. All right, Keith Bilby, why don't you tell us what else we've got coming up tonight? So many great guests, Mike, like the amazing Grace Anna Rogers and the high-flying Sando acrobatic trio. Plus, we'll discover Joyology with Dawn Barton and listen to the winner of The Voice, Todd Tillman. Next week, Senator Tim Scott and Craig Outy share Steps to Unity and the high-flying duo Transcend performs. Now, welcome back. Grace Anna Rogers was born with a rare syndrome that put her in the hospital for multiple surgeries for her eyes, spine, ears, feet, hip, and even more. 
Yet this little girl somehow has boundless joy. She's got a song to sing. I want us to take a look at her in action on YouTube. Watch. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy with brotherhood on sea to shining sea. Thank you, everybody. Have a nice day. Uh, this young lady even has over one million Facebook followers, and she's got a brand new book, and it's called "Do You Who Do You See When You Look at Me?" Would you please welcome the very amazing Grace Anna Rogers and her mom, Angela Rogers? Welcome, guys. Grace Anna, I'm pretty amazed you're nine years old and you've got a couple of books, one about singing and this brand new one called Who Do You See When You Look At Me? You know, I know people who are 10 times as old as you are and they haven't done a book yet and they don't sing and they don't have a million followers on Facebook. How did you get to be so famous? Well, I think it's because um, people are, well, happy that I'm here um, on Facebook, and um, they really see me sing, and then they smile. I've, I've really just changed the world. I mean, it just blew. I am so happy <laughs> that you're happy. And Thank I think that's, that's what makes all of this so very special, is that you are a young lady filled with joy despite all of the challenges you've had. Angela, I, I know that uh, it must be a thrill for you to see that Grace Hanna has faced some very difficult chapters in her life uh, with a determination of perseverance just to overcome. She has a fighter's spirit mm. and she's had that since birth. You know, um, we were advised during the pregnancy to abort her and we would not do that. And she's been fighting since she took her first breath, but she's been doing it with a smile on her face. And she's inspired me to be a better person and to realize what's really important in life and focusing on those things that are meaningful instead of the petty stuff in life. You know, Grace Anna, we're all so happy that your mother and dad loved you and loved the world enough and loved God enough to let you be born so that we could all get to know you. And we're better people for it. We are all better for that. So I know you love to sing. What else do you like to do? I like to play the piano. Mm. I like to, you know, yeah, to sing. Well, Grace Anna, can I tell you something? If you like to play a piano, we may have an opening over in the band because <laughs> we may have to get rid of Trey. I'm, I'm really thinking. That I got a keyboard at home. <laughs> you may be in trouble over there. I'm definitely out of a job. I guess. Oh yes. <laughs> now you have uh, you. I know you've got an older brother, don't you? Yeah. Is he nice to you? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> and let me tell you. Here's the sometimes question. Sometimes he annoys me. Oh. Well, here's the question. Are you nice to him? <laughs> Well, sometimes, except when, <laughs> except when he annoys me. Uh, Angela, let me ask you, how did the, the whole idea of 
Grace Anna's video go so viral. I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible for anyone, even Hollywood celebrities, to have a million followers on Facebook. So what was it that just drove such an interest? And I know it's uh, a hot topic right now, but we're a very patriotic family. My grandpa uh, earned the Purple Heart, mm. and my husband's dad was in World War II. But she sang the Star Spangled Banner at three, and it was not like many three-year-olds can do. And I had shared it as a mom, just proud of her singing it. Yeah. And uh, within two or three weeks, we got a phone call from Sammy Kershaw, um, his manager, that they loved her. And mm. I was like, what are they talking about? And then um, it just kind of went crazy from there. But I think she has gained so many followers with her story and her joy and just her love of life, no matter what she goes through. Well, it is a beautiful story. First of all, the story that you, her mom, chose that she would live. And that's a beautiful story. And then the story that she has brought such joy to so many people. You know, Grace Anna, if I have you here, I mean, th this is a wonderful book, and gosh, we could talk about it all day. But I think we would be hard-pressed to let you go without asking you maybe to sing something for us. Would you do that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody called us and said to sing Amazing Grace with Perfect. the key of F. Let's hear it for Grace Anna. <laughs> you can get Grace Anna's book, Who Do You See When You Look at Me, at graceannasings.org, and follow her on Facebook and Instagram, at Grace Anna Sings. Still ahead, the high-flying Sando acrobatic trio, joyologist, Dawn Barton, and this season's winner of The Voice, Todd Tillman, all right here on Huckabee. Our friends at Samaritan's Purse invite us all to demonstrate the love of Christ through their outreach. When you called and lend your support, you can help reach those who feel unwanted, unloved, abandoned, and forgotten. Your gift helps provide medicine, food, shelter, and training to those who live in poverty, as well as those who have survived major disasters. Won't you call or visit Samaritan's Purse online today and help heal, restore, and bring hope to those who need it the most, all in Jesus' name. Well, we wanted something very special to welcome our studio audience back to the theater, and boy, oh boy, did we find it. 
They have wowed the judges on America's Got Talent, the champions. They've toured the world with Britney Spears and even starred in the movie The Greatest Showman, one of the great movies of the last several years. Would you please welcome to our stage the amazing Sando Trio Russian Bar Act. Give them a hand.
And now, for their final stunt, she will perform blindfolded. First of all, I got to tell you something. I was just sitting over there. I need some leave myself right now just watching this. That was incredible. Thank Cassie, you. you've been doing this how long? Um, I've been doing the Russian bar for now about 14 years. And you're married to this guy. Yes, right? I'm married to the one with hair. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my brother-in-law, Sergey. And you know, you have to trust these guys with your life every time you do this. Yes. And uh, very life. Yeah, and, and you know what? If if they ever drop you, they better really hurt you because you're gonna really hurt them, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> and I wouldn't blame you. You know, I, I gotta ask you, you were on the film with Hugh Jackman in The Greatest Show, and what a wonderful family film that was. I gotta know, is he as nice to work with and to be around as he oh, seems goodness. to be? You know what, there was a moment in between takes that I just sat down. And I was, you know, just kind of rubbing out my legs because we do tons and tons of takes. And all of a sudden, I hear this, so how are you doing? And I turn, and I was sitting right next to Hugh Jackman. <laughs> and we had, like, almost a 20-minute conversation just shooting the breeze. And he was the nicest person. And he was genuinely interested in me and how I got into doing what I was doing. We were talking about kids and family and life. It was, it was the most amazing experience we've, we've ever had. Does it ever just kind of unnerve you about what you're to do. I mean, that's, that's insane. You know, honestly, before every performance and after performance, I say a little prayer. Yeah. And I just say, you know, help us to have good technique and to be safe and protected. And because it is, there's so much faith and so much trust that goes into this act yeah. that if you don't have it and you're a little nervous, you don't do this act. Well, you, you say a little prayer. I'd say a lot of prayer <laughs> if I were ever going to... It, it's an it, ongoing prayer. <laughs> you guys do things uh, at NBA games. You've traveled with Britney Spears all over the world as part of her review, which is a great testament to your talent uh, to be a part of, you know, a world-class show like that. But you also perform for communities and just every kind of event imaginable. So people, if they were as impressed as I was with what we've just seen here, they can get you to come to, uh, to their event or their community and see it up close and personal. And I'm telling you, I don't know if I ever want to see it this up close and personal because you guys scared the life out of me. It's what you but did. But it makes it that much more fun. Oh, 
Wow. And you know, we can talk to people about what we do and the trust elements that come with it. So there's motivational speaking as well as performing with it. So it's something that we love to do. And, you know, it's not just a job. It's, it's what we love to do. Well, it shows. Sergi, Constantine, Cassie, thank you. Another big hand, please, for the Sando Russian Bar Trio. Thank you, guys. You know, I know audiences everywhere are going to flip over your act. So, Keith Bilbrey, why don't you tell them how they can see more of the incredible Sando Trio Russian Bar? Well, to find out where the Sando Trio Russian Bar will be performing next and to see more amazing videos or book their whole range of astounding CERT-type entertainment acts for your venue or event, visit them online at SandoTrioRussianBar.com. Coming up, Dawn Barton finds joy in the most unlikely places. And winner of The Voice, Todd Tillman, recounts his wonderful journey to victory. Stay tuned for lots more Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back to our show. How about a hand for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection? We are happy to be back in the theater with him. And by the way, after watching the Sando Trio, uh, just so you know, between the segments here, they had to bring the crash cart and get my heart started again because it was pretty much in full arrest just watching those guys. Well, if you're in the mood for some news that makes you laugh, be sure and drop by Huckabee.tv after the show for our segment we call In Case You Missed It. You're gonna learn about a soccer player abducted by aliens, a gentleman denied entry to a pub because of his mullet haircut, and you'll see firsthand how statues are fighting back against humans. Join us for a good laugh on In Case You Missed It at Huckabee.tv. My next guest was a successful sales and marketing expert, but privately, her life is filled with some deep pain. She struggled with breast cancer, divorce, rape, the death of a child, as well as the death of a sister and the sudden illness of her mother. You'd never imagine that she calls herself a joyologist. This is her book. It's called Laughing Through the Ugly Cry, and it reveals how faith helped her keep joy in her life. Please welcome a remarkable person, Dawn Barton. Dawn, thank you for joining us. You know, I know your book was written for women, but I read the whole thing. Yes, you did. And uh, I feel, you know, I'm going to have to be treated for my estrogen levels <laughs> going up having read the book. It was, it was a beautiful story. Thank you. And, and I'll tell you something. This is a powerful book on how to find joy through tough, tough times. And you saw some of them, didn't you? I did, I did. And I hope it is. That's my whole point of writing the book, to share those stories. I think when we do have those difficult seasons in our life, I think we're supposed to share it to help the next, the next group get through it, you know? But, but somehow, you sit here today with this just wonderful radiance. Where does that come from? Jesus, I would love to tell you something. You know, it wasn't always that way. I, I, early in life, I, we lost our daughter, and then I was raped, and it went to a full jury trial. We went through a divorce, and uh, I lost a lot of my faith during that season. And it took me a while to get back there. And so 
when I finally did, and I was in the seasons of cancer and um, my husband battling with um, alcoholism, and he's been sober five years now, and all, you know, this, this, my mother having a brain aneurysm, my sister passing away from cancer, <sighs> the difference of having faith in those kind of things, yeah. uh, having a support system, it was amazing. One of the things that you do in this book that is so powerful is you tell stories with humor. You know, you did not lose that in the, in the sense that you talk about breast cancer and some of the things that you went through. That's not a funny subject. In the throes of cancers, I think one of the greatest stories is um, I had to have a prosthetic breast for a while. And um, I'm going to make you read the book for the, for the rest of it. But you have to. <laughs> there was a moment of jumping off of a boat. One of the and, funniest things I've ever read. And the, the prosthetic was named Lucky. And Lucky <laughs> went missing. And yeah, about 15 feet later, Lucky comes catapulting out of the water. In front of your friends and, and everybody. Not just our friends, four precious, impressionable children. <laughs> yes, and they're just like, you like know, yeah, it was hilarious. Well, honestly, the title of your book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry, I'm reading your book and I'm thinking, this is a horrible, terrible thing that's <laughs> happened to you. And then I'm finding myself laughing out loud you sitting there to. reading the book. Wondering if people are going to think I'm nuts because I'm just sitting there by myself laughing. But Dawn, there's something else that, that I was so glad you were honest about. It wasn't like your faith was strong through it all. You did go through a period where you were really mad, mad at God. Yeah. I broke up with God. God never broke up with me. Ooh. Yeah. I love, say that yeah. again, because that is I broke beautiful. up with God, like throwing plates across the room, breaking up, fighting, broken up. I was not going to love a God that took babies from mommies. Mm. And that's what I felt. It's even hard to say. I was so angry, um, but I will tell you, he can handle you being angry and he can ha handle you throwing plates at him and he can handle all of those things. And he's so good and so sly because he constantly put people in my life that were exactly what I needed when I needed it to bring me a little bit. Cause like, come on, come on, come back, come back, come back. It took me 10 years, but I certainly did. Before we finish, I have to tell you that one of the most beautiful things you talk about is that some people were with you through the hurt times and others disappeared. Right. But you said, don't judge them for not being there then because they were there later when you needed them in a different way. I've never heard anyone say that. What a beautiful perspective. That chapter started from somebody posting something that said, now that I have cancer, I know who my real friends are. Mm. And I thought, no, you don't. Yeah. You know who, hopefully you're seeing the ones that are blessed with that gift of bringing meals and caretaking and all of that. I am not that human. I may love someone. You don't know what somebody's going through at the time. You don't know the season that they're in in life and you have to give them grace. Just because you are in a horrible season doesn't mean that they are. It is a beautiful book. I really hope that every single woman listening will buy the book and read it and then give it to a friend and buy one for a friend. And don't tell anybody, but guys, you'll actually enjoy this book, even <laughs> though it's more likely written for women. So read it and then pretend you didn't and give it to your wife or your mom or your daughter. It is a beautiful book, Laughing Through the Ugly Cry. And I tell you, everyone could use a little more joy in his or her life these days. We all know that. Keith Bilbrey is standing by and he's gonna tell our viewers exactly how they can find Dawn's wonderful book, laughing through the ugly cry and finding unstoppable joy.
Well, I'd love to, Governor, for links to the book and booksellers, just visit DawnBarton.com. You'll also find her blog and social media links there, and you can contact her to speak to your group and spread some joy. That's all at DawnBarton.com. Next, Pastor Todd Tillman shares the secret to raising eight children and winning the voice. And welcome back. We are just, as I say, so glad to be back in the theater with the audience and so grateful for them. Hey, we've got a special guest. Todd Tillman is the current winner, the current winner of NBC's The Voice, led by his team coach, Blake Shelton. And Todd's powerful vocals and his personal story of being a father and a pastor really won America's heart. At age 42, he doesn't look it, <laughs> but at age 42, he became the oldest winner in The Voice's 18-season history. We are thrilled to have him here tonight. Would you please welcome Todd Tillman? Todd, thank you. great having you. Man, it's a pleasure. Such a pleasure. I mean, congratulations on thank winning you. The Voice. W were you just blown away when they announced that you were the winner? Yeah, I was blown away every time I made it through a round, every single <laughs> time. Uh, and so when they, we, had, we had prepped our kids in the, in the commercial break, we didn't even say if. We said, when they announce the winner, do not cry. <laughs> Clap and smile. It'll take just maybe 20, 30 seconds. It'll go off, then you can just lose it, you know? But we had no idea. Now, you brought your own audience because you got eight kids. Yeah, yeah, man. Eight kids. Brought the entire audience with me. Brother, you needed to win. Yeah, you know? that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that is so amazing, I mean, we would assume that if you win a contest like that where hundreds of thousands of people enter, mm -hmm. Uh, that you would have been a lifelong stage performer, maybe a lot of Broadway plays, or because I mean, really, a lot of the people who have done that show—that's their background. Yeah. You were a pastor. Yep, that's right. Uh, you never sang professionally. Never. It's the first time everybody's like, "What? What kind of professional work have you done?" I was like, "Well, I was on The Voice." <laughs> that's, that's I mean, you it. sang in church. Yeah, I've sang in church my whole life, and I've—it's I've, a big deal to me to say like, that's not secondary. Like, I don't wanna say it like, it, that's not secondary to anything. I've loved yeah. it the, the whole time, but that's all. That's the only place I've ever really, church and church events, you know, that's it. I'd say you did pretty well with this. Well, thank you, man, <laughs> I guess so. But you know, let me tell you what I think, the biggest miracle of your life, you may not see it this way, but believe me, I look at your life and I read your biography and I say, you were born and raised in Meridian, Mississippi. You married your high school sweetheart. Yeah and you now pastor a church in your hometown. Yep. If you can pastor a church in your hometown where everybody knows you and yeah. they still show up for church, well, brother, that I, is a miracle. I don't want to say I'm very <laughs> successful. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That, yeah, yeah. It's a testament, yeah. though, to Thank the credibility you. of your life that you can live in the community where you grew up and they accept you, not as that little guy that we you know, had to right. discipline and get, you know, get him straightened out, but the pastor of a church yeah, and a father you. of eight kids. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, a, it's been a journey. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, pastoring a church, of course, you, you already know, it's, a, it's got challenges of its own, but it's worth it. So I understand you're doing a 
a theater and show in Pigeon Forge, is that right? Yeah, it's Theater of the Stars in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. It starts, uh, it's a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday show right now for the month of July. Hopefully it goes yeah. well enough and it keeps going, but um, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, every, every, it starts the second. So, I was, yeah, I mean, people, who, people flock to places like Pigeon Forge. It's such a wonderful, beautiful yeah. place. Uh, do you plan to keep pastoring and doing your music uh, career? What, what yeah. will happen? Where I am right now is, the, uh, this. I hate to sound like I give a canned answer, but it's the best answer I have. Yeah. I know my life is really changing and there's dramatic changes coming. Um, I just don't know really the specifics of what they are. Yeah. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm not just switching the light off on pastoring, but I am sort of heavily relying on people in the church who can help me lead uh, yeah. while I have all these other things. that Because this, this has really been a whole other uh, and for me, remarkably freeing way to, to like minister to people and love people, man. You know, it's just been remarkable. We'll see what happens. I'm yeah. anxious to see what's ahead. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the better. Yeah, man, me too. It's going to be a surprise to me too. <laughs> well, we're thrilled to have you here. And again, yeah, uh, just thrilled about your winning the voice. Me too. Thank you. All that God is doing in your life. Hey, in a moment, you know we're not going to let him come and just talk. Todd's going to sing for us. Yeah. So while he gets ready, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell you how to get more of Todd Tillman and his music. And tell, trust me, when you hear Todd sing, you're going to want to get some. So listen carefully. Well, you can purchase Todd Tillman's music everywhere music is sold. Be sure to follow him on social media and YouTube. Now, after the show, go to Huckabee.tv for an online exclusive performance of Todd singing I can only imagine. Next, Todd Tillman takes to the stage to sing. That's coming up in 60 seconds. Here to perform is Todd Tillman. Sometimes dreams get lost Sometimes love takes time But the greatest gifts are worth Standing in line And it's never a race Long as you get where you're going And sometimes the heart Takes the long way home Sometimes you go astray Chasing clouds of doubt, beginner's mistakes, there's no way of knowing, sometimes the heart takes the long way home, life's a melody of hope that we're all singing, every day I'm learning more just how it goes, let me go, let me roll. When the days get rough, when you lose the fight, when you're begging for mercy just to make things all right, remember the greatest gifts, they're worth standing in line, and sometimes the heart takes the long way home, sometimes dreams come true, and sometimes they don't. 
just fine. Cause sometimes the heart takes the long way home. Life's a melody of hope that we're all singing. Every day I'm learning more just how it goes. Let me go, let me roam, even when I'm so just a long way home It's just a long way home